Hi, and welcome back to Out of Curiosity, our podcast where we are seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick. You wanted me to get in here? Oh, you didn't even talk about this. I'm Garland. You didn't, <laughs> you didn't even tell me you wanted to be in there. What's what we do every time? I always start over. Welcome back to Out of Curiosity. This is our podcast where we're seeking biblical clarity for modern questions. I'm Nick. And I'm Garland. And you will not hear his voice again today. So, um, hey, we are continuing our series discussing gender in the church. And uh, today, after a series of podcasts, what we really want to do um, is is give the mic to some women in our church who have led um, with great character and great impact um, in our church. And so we wanted to to kind of ask them to speak to um, to the issue of what do women bring um, uniquely to ministry in the church. One of the things we've talked about earlier in this podcast is that um, when God created man and woman, he created man and woman in the image of God so that that complement um, of both men and women is necessary to fully image who God is. And so that means that there are some things that without having women present in ministry, we're really lacking for a full image of who God is and how he expresses himself in the church. So we want to talk a little bit about that and also just speaking to um, the issue of kind of a, a secular understanding of femininity and a biblical understanding of femininity and, and uh, some conservative tradition images as well. For a lot of people, figuring out where the intersection of all those happen can be difficult. So we want to just spend some time today uh, discussing those issues and hearing from some women. So uh, we're going to, if you would please, we're just going to kind of go around the circle and give you, I didn't warn you you were going to do this, but give you a chance to introduce yourselves uh, so everybody can know who they're listening to today. Okay, my name's Desiree Weber, and we've been at Fellowship for about 17 years. I'm married to my awesome husband, Steve, for 23 years. We have three kids, and I'm a sixth grade math and logic teacher. Awesome. I'm Amy Anderson. I've been going to Fellowship for about 14 years now. It's kind of crazy. I work with student ministries here at Fellowship, and it's been a blast. been about on staff for about four years now, and I'm also in the JBU counseling program studying as well. My name is Beth Kenyon. I um, have been going to fellowship for a long time. I'm married to Tim Kenyon. We've been married for 41 years, which is really a miracle and awesome. We have three children. We have two boys and a daughter, and we have six grandchildren. And talk about Old Testament, New Testament. Being a grandparent is pure New Testament grace and mercy. <laughs> We might need to do a whole episode on that topic right there. Uh, my name is Abby Lay. I have grown up here at Fellowship, and I am on staff with Student Ministries over Rogers, and I'm just happy to be here. Well done. Beth, would you like to say what you do? I get to be a part of the elementary team. We've been working with um, elementary students and families, and it has been so incredibly fun. Awesome. Okay. Hey, thinking about what women uniquely bring uh, to ministry and to the home and to the church, um, what are some areas that you've seen um, that God has used you as a woman to, to bring a unique impact to ministry or the home? I have seen women bring a side to a situation that brings more um, perspective, more of the otherness of the way things are seen. I have seen women bring a nurturing care factor to what they are a part of that is really, really beautiful. 
I have seen women bring a co-laboring ness. Is that a word? Co-laboring ness. Yeah, co-laboring ness is the correct word. To a teamwork that couldn't be done when there's just one person or one perspective or one of anything um, trying to make something beautiful, speaking life into a situation um, without trying to stereotype at all, but the nurturing gentleness that women often bring has really brought some beauty into situations that um, have been better because they are a part of the team. I think I think you said a couple things there, Beth, that are really helpful, and I think it would be good to maybe springboard off on some other conversations with it because the two things I heard you say were nurturing and a love of beauty, and you also acknowledged the fear of a stereotype. And so a lot of times when these conversations of gender come up, that's one of the big fears is anything you say, there's going to be a woman that goes, well, I don't think I'm that way. Does that mean I'm not feminine or what? And I think that's always a fear. Um, and so I think maybe just acknowledge that, that we are talking generally um, and that's okay. And, and that doesn't mean um, but, but that, that necessarily everyone's going to fit that same mold. But generally, I think it'd be good to speak to those two issues of nurture and beauty and, and where you see um, those two qualities. Those are two that I hear come up a lot in these conversations. So where have you seen um, that women bring nurture and beauty into, into situations? I think if Karen Campbell, as she works on the one-to-one team, and what she brings in in nurturing and caring for both the children in her ministry, she does it with such a gentle heart. I have also seen the way she takes care of parents, of single parents, of moms and dads who are struggling. And I don't know of a better nurturer, shepherd, than, than Karen. I think also, I mean, in working with students, you see this all the time, but regardless of stereotype, children are going to look to women differently because they do symbolize a, a motherly figure. And so I think that be it with children's ministry or, or student ministry, we see it the same. There's a different comfort level that comes in in a, a kid who has a need. Um, they're going to turn to female staff or female leadership um, just differently and, and look for comfort or care um, in, in a way that is different than they would with male leadership. And I do think that there's a real sweetness that we get to provide that and step into that because I think that that is part of our unique design from the Lord and not that men aren't nurturing or caring at all. But, but I do think that that is um, a specific area that we get to step into and, and love and lead from um, in our positions for sure. Yeah. So as, as, as y'all work with women in our church and you meet with them, what are the questions you hear them asking around these issues? And how do you approach those questions? I have heard the question, why don't we allow women to teach from the front? Um, it's interesting to me because I think my viewpoint is a little bit different. I've been encouraged. I'm in a marriage that's encouraging. I'm around men who are encouraging. And then just my own personality, I would not want to get up in front of people. And, you know, so um, 
But I do think there, when I look back, I think there has been some real brokenness and real hurt. And I think part of that to me comes from just a misunderstanding of roles. I think as humans, we want to elevate certain roles and say, you know, this person is higher, therefore he's better, smart, whatever, or this woman or in whatever situation. And when I look back at, you know, God's word, I just see Jesus meeting people where they are and kind of crossing those social barriers, crossing just what's norm. And even just, you look at the New Testament, I love that Peter and Paul just, um, we kind of see them groaning in the whole, how do we bring the Gentile people in? I appreciate that God's added that to his word because we get to see that struggle of them. This is how I was raised. This is what I've been taught. This is what I've been told. And to me, that's where we're, where we are now in society with the issue of women. Um, you know, some of us come from all these different backgrounds and different what we were told. And I just think as women, I mean, I'm encouraged to go back, first of all, and stop and extend grace and forgiveness, first and foremost, you know, as a woman, if, if, and secondly, to remember, we're all about the same thing, which is going and making disciples. And so when I can get on page, on the same page as, as other men and women and everybody, then I'm focused on the right thing. When I'm caught up in the issue, sometimes I lose sight of what I'm, you know, what I'm doing, why I'm even doing it. So, Yeah, I get a lot of questions from high school students and then also college leaders. And I think the question that I've probably been faced with the most the past couple of months is so our culture is telling us hey women can have these highest positions of leadership of ceo of even presidents and but in the church i feel like my role is limited how do i navigate that how do i hold those two in tension and and not that i have a great answer i think what's I do when I am encountering those or have those questions asked to me is try to sit with them. And similar to what you're saying, I want to meet them where they're at and hear their hurts or their fears or the maybe wounds that have come from the church or even out in, in the world. Um, and even just a practical thing for me, if uh, someone is coming to me and I can tell they're maybe in high emotion about it or there's maybe a little more behind it, I you know like, oh, there's probably a hurt there that I need to sit with and and not maybe go straight to theology. And let's look at scripture. Like I need to listen to man, what what has happened to a cause kind of this hurt and this emotion in it. Um, but then, yeah, and I want to point them to scripture and have them think through so what is a culture's perspective of the role of, of women and let's look at what our culture is saying and let's look at the good and maybe some of the more difficult things that our culture is saying about femininity and let's look at scripture and let's let's wrestle with it together. That's kind of what the question I get the most is how to balance that. I think a question that I get um, most often is how do I get a voice? How do I get to come to the table and... I've been in ministry at Fellowship for many years, and they want to know how it's changed um, women in leadership. And I have seen so much change, healthy change, people seeking to do just that, give a voice. Um, how do I get my perspective? And then do I have to go outside of the church to be a, a real 
and I'm using air quotes. Um, you can't see them, but they're can't there. Can't see them. <laughs> uh, a real leader, and mm-hmm. I feel like there is a lot of friction and rub there. Um, and and really, it comes back to identity. And I think you said it really well, Amy, that there have been some wounds and some misconceptions. And my parents, my father in particular, was so encouraging. Tim has been such an encourager to me to use my gifts the best that I know how. And I think it just isn't really clear because Many people don't want to do it this way, but they don't know how to do it in a godly, Christ-like way to use their gifts to make the church better, to make the gospel known. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I agree with all of that, and I think that that's what I come up against the most. And, you know, as I was thinking and, and preparing, um, you guys hit on this in the first podcast in this series, but I think it gets so messy because with the association, with the church and and the call for this difference in leadership being specific to the church and then the way that our culture is going, it almost feels like, why is the church suddenly the one who's telling me that I'm less? Or, Or why is it that the church is the one that's making me feel like I have less value? And then that gets misconstrued and applied to the Lord and saying, well, then, you know, God values me less and created me as less. And I think that that's where I feel a lot of the tension coming in with um, whether it's high school students that are asking questions or or leaders um, and just feeling like, why is the world telling me that, that I can achieve and have these opportunities? And then the church isn't providing that and, you know, I, I agree with Amy that I think a lot of times it comes from there being woundings. I know in myself, I'll be the first to say that that often when I feel some of these tensions, I can point to my pride and I can point to a place of like, I want to have the same opportunities. And I feel that, you know, if the Lord has gifted me in these ways, then it's my right to use those. Um, and it should be my right to do these things. And and I think that that's where a lot of my conversations come in of if we are called into, you know, honoring the Lord and submitting to the Lord in all things, is this an area that I'm willing to submit? And it doesn't mean that there's not gifting or um, skill from the Lord, but ultimately am I willing to say like, but Lord, your will over mine and, and what you want over what I want? Because at the end of the day, am I able to look at my church and say like, leadership is glorifying and honoring to the Lord, then yes. If the answer to that is yes, then I think I, I try to encourage conversations in that direction of, of ultimately what's our goal? Is the Lord being glorified? And then how do I get to step into that um, as opposed to just looking at the negative of why can't I have this position or, or do these things? I think that's where a lot of my conversations land just because of that cultural tension. Speaking, um, something you said, Abby, earlier about um, about the way young people see women and the way they are going to approach women uh, differently because of that idea of nurture. Uh, I'm just curious if you could speak more to that. I know working in a school, 
That's right. You see, you know, you see that a lot, I'm sure. What, what do you see that that young people? What do they find uh, in a woman's presence that's unique and special? And and what what does that role look like? Well, I do I do think um, from a teacher's standpoint, um, I almost am a mom first in some ways, you know, than a teacher. Of course, I think part of that is because, and again, this is very general, but. I'm able to view children sort of their whole self rather than do they just understand this math knowledge. And what I do understand is that they're not going to grasp the math if there's a whole lot of other things in the world going on. So one of, I think, the um, you know sort of unique or, or special qualities is sort of being able to view um, people from a bigger vantage point or a wider lens, their feelings, their... Um, you know, with sixth grade, we're talking about preteens, so they have a lot of emotion and excitement, and you just never know where you are. So I do love that. I mean, I really, I do consider privilege that when a student walks in, or even just my own kids, or when I have worked in youth ministry, I can almost tell right away where we are. I'm sure y'all are the same way. You know, you sort of have that instinct or that intuition, something's off. And so me presenting the big Bible lesson or whatever, maybe not be, it's not going to be heard that day. And I do think that's, you know, the Lord working in and through women. I mean, so I think they know that. Kids know that. They know they can come in and share. They know that they can talk openly about struggles. Um, and, and going back to what we were sort of talking before, I've even seen that like in community group. Women provide an atmosphere that is warm and inviting with the whole community group and it creates a deeper authenticity so that's even on you know with couples or with families or a small groups so so let me ask this question i think you, you, you hit on something there that idea of even in community um women bring something unique to that group and i remember asking this question i was meeting with a, a group of women who teach uh women's bible studies here at fellowship and we were thinking about the training center and implementing training center classes in women's studies. And I asked the question, how would you say you're teaching panorama or we believe in a women's study, how would it look different than if we were teaching it uh, to everybody? And I found that answer really fascinating. But I'd love to hear for you guys when women get together to do community and Bible study together. What are some of the unique things that happen there? Well, you use the word holistic, um, and I think that women often do not compartmentalize as much, and so it isn't just about we're here to engage Scripture, and we do want to do that, but it is to check in, are you okay, what's weighing you down, Um, the intuition of being able to read it on a face or sense that there's something happening. But all of those are really doorways to coming back to a point from hearing from God. So I do think that um, the holistic of how are you doing, not is work going well or something that you're very interested in, but just how are how is your family? How are you doing? How can I um, come alongside and help you in what ways. And I think that is an expression. Um, 
But in teaching, it's really funny to me because it, when a when a child needed comfort or just wasn't sure of themselves, for some reason they could come and say, "Beth, Miss Beth, Mrs. Kenyon, whatever um, place it was," um, and they don't even say anything. They just look at you and and you say, "How can I help?" And maybe that happened, um, not just. With women. I think in a negative way, men have been told many of their stereotypes too. Oh, yeah. And I think the feelings and the emotion part, which I think might be easier for many women to sit with the emotions and the feelings or the the changing of emotions and feelings fast, maybe we have just been given permission Sure. To do that more. But I do think we can learn from each other how to do it. And so often in the discussions you asked earlier, what people were wanting to talk to to me about of women in leadership is what the things we're getting wrong. But I think there are lots of things that are going right. And I think people are asking questions. People are being willing to talk about it, even though it's uncomfortable. And when you decide, I think you alluded to this, Desiree, that you are going to listen and learn from each other in whatever way. You're better. We're better when we are open to maybe a different way of doing something. That's one thing I admire and love about the younger generation. Honestly, like my college boys and their friends is I don't feel like when I was that age, I was willing to ask tough questions. I feel like I, by design, wanted to please and wanted to make sure I followed the rules and did the right thing. And um, I, and my boys love the Lord, but one thing I admire so much about them is they're willing to ask really, really, really hard questions. And it's even as a family that's caused us to go to places that we maybe haven't visited before and haven't. And I love that they're doing that. I see that with men and women of younger ages. And I admire that so much because I think that takes courage, especially if you've grown up in the church. You you tend to maybe feel like you should think a certain way. Um and I just love that because as you look, as you mentioned, Beth, you look at all the different people who approach Jesus, so often they had really hard questions. Or or maybe he knew they did, and he just went ahead and asked it for them. And then, you know, it was always surrounded by with love and truth. So even this topic, to me, so often we want to focus on the truth, the truth, which is absolutely imperative and then we miss the love, or we just want to say, let's just love, and, and we're forgetting the truth aspect. So that somewhere in there, you know, we're balancing both of them. But I do see that really, I feel like doing they're doing that well. So I got a couple of questions. <laughs> Welcome, Garland. No Push surprise. Yes. <laughs> yes. Do you have answers, too? And for no those answers. of you that can't see, <laughs> he just scooted straight in front of Nick. Cut him off. <laughs> Never heard Garland say he has no answers. I'm just going to sit over there. You know I'm going to be quiet the whole time, everybody. <laughs> so one of the questions that I might, uh, I'm interested in hearing from y'all is, um, as you try to follow Jesus and love Jesus in, in your life, and here you are, uh, 
following Jesus in the context of a local church, I'm sure the question has come up. We have different generations even represented around this table. I'm sure the question has come up, well, what is it you Christians believe? I don't like that. I find that backwards or archaic. And here you are loving Jesus, and you think that you're serving him in a local church. How do you respond to this question? One of the things that I tell people all the time is how much I love fellowship because they have let me use my gifts and my passions and have really just opened the door wide and saying, yes, Beth, do that. You want to try that? Try that. And so often in conversations of people outside the church, if there's woundedness or really no knowledge at all, they come in and why is the rule the rule? And I um, want to, I can only speak of my experience and I am a lot. I have a lot of energy. I have a lot of passion and fellowship has opened the door and said, use it, use it. And um, I can only say that using your passion, using your gifts, has been a beautiful thing in the church. Um, I also think that one of the, th- the, the frustrations in, in this topic is sin. And I've got a lot, of, a lot of sin, and I have done it wrong lots. And usually when I get bent out of shape, it is me trying to do something I wasn't intended to do I'm not talking gift-wise, but in a way, it, it doing something that I'm trying to change somebody's mind. It's not my job to change somebody's mind. I want to feel slighted. I, want, I don't like anybody telling me what to do. And those aren't just things that happen in the church. And authority, I think that authority is a big issue coming under someone's authority, and that often is prickly and complicated. But each of us have to be under authority of someone. Um, Presidents, (laughs) um, CEOs are under authority. And to be willing to say, I will come under authority, I'm going to submit and try the best to figure out how to be loving and kind and speak truth and use the voice and the perspective that God has given me, it's never easy when we are dealing with sin. And my sin is just as great as anyone's. I think what's compelling about that is so often the narrative is the church is repressive, the church is is in shutdown mode, and so you just you just respond with, "Well, that's not been my experience. I've, I've had a, a wonderful experience serving and using my gifting for years and years and years." So that, that's that's a compelling narrative that I think oftentimes gets missed. What about the rest of y'all? How do y'all respond to this question? I mean, I think similarly to Beth, my experience, uh, be it at Fellowship or any other ministry I've been involved in, camp ministry. Uh, all of those, even in my own home, um, I I have never been told, no, don't use those gifts. Um, and so that, to me, I think speaks volumes to, to fellowship and um, to my parents and, and other places that I have been involved and, and leadership has always been encouraged. And anytime that I have sought leadership, it has been provided. Um, 
and maybe that isn't always going to look the way that an equal opportunity uh, world would see it and, and demand it, but that doesn't make it lesser. Um, I think that the men and women of fellowship actually have equal influence and impact and, and, and value regardless of uh, whether they're on a stage or not. Cause I, I do think that that's a lot of what this comes down to um, stage or uh, holding position of elder, uh, whatever that is, whatever it is that, that people are getting frustrated about. But um, I think a big thing uh, in breaching this conversation is that, that there's a misunderstanding of my purpose in the church. Um, so I, I look at a position as a, let's say, CEO uh, and the advancement there in other companies. And yes, that's about proving that I can do a job and proving how hard I can work and moving up in the ranks. And I think that you have to put the church in a completely different category than a company and, and that leadership in a church has to be different because it really is a misunderstanding of my position in leadership at a church has absolutely nothing to do with me and has nothing to do with, uh, my skill or my ability, it's the Lord's and my position that I'm in, I have been placed in and I, I believe that the Lord wants me here. Um, and, and ultimately it's about me working towards his glory and that isn't about my glory. And that's a, a big thing I think that I, I have learned as a woman in ministry is that, that maybe it is um, more in my face, the, the laying down of my pride, but I don't even believe that. I think for all of us who are um, in church leadership, you have to lay that down. And um, and I think that, that what a secular world potentially doesn't see is that there's just a misunderstanding of the purpose of, of why I'm doing what I'm doing anyway. So it's not, it sounds like you just, you just simply acknowledge that there's a fundamental difference in the way that a position of leadership or authority works in this thing we call the church. I know we covered it in uh, the first episode of this podcast, but essentially the word authority in the non-church world has a totally different meaning than the word authority within the church. And that the, the word authority as we construe it is about power. Mm-hmm. And that's just completely gone from the new Testament narrative. It's about serving. Yeah. And so when we begin with power as our, as our litmus test, it's going to lead us into a very poor direction. So you're just, when you, when this question's asked, it sounds like you just try to help them understand that we're talking about something different entirely. Is that a fair summary? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'd say that. And I don't know if a non-believer can even understand yeah, that. Yeah. Not mm-hmm. in any way of, of a judgment statement, but in understanding the love and grace and mercy of Christ and that it is different. But I think you have to acknowledge there have been people that have been wounded and there have been people that have said no. And there's been people who have said, go home to women. And each of those, I think, happens so often in any conversation that you have is there's been hurt. There has been wrong. So how do you make things better? And I think that is what I want to speak in 
to people is how do you use your gifts to to make this better? And unity of the spirit means we're not all going to see it the same way. And it, whether you're an egalitarian or a complementarian, we have a purpose and a design that we were made to bring the glory of God and to shine it bright to other people. And I'm going to do that differently than you. When I'm disrespectful to you, Garland, it is hurtful to the body of Christ. When you are disrespectful to me, it hurts. And to say, I'm sorry, I got it wrong, I spoke, I said something, I told a joke, I made an inference, I have to be under the authority of Christ for those things in me, too. But when you're thinking about everybody building up the body of Christ together for the purpose of the church, that means it's going to take each of us. And in the scripture, male or female, Greek, Jew, slave, free, I think just about every category is is there. And so it says we've got to do this together. It can't just be one person doing it. And we've seen one person try to do it be- before. And so there's a rub. So what does this look like in y'all's experience? What would you advise somebody coming to this conversation, maybe with hurt, maybe with baggage, maybe with just questions? Uh, what does it look like to to bring your skill, your gifting to bear within the local church in a, in a way that is uh, is helpful and loving and uh, in the submission to the authority in the church, to the leadership of the church? What does that look like? I, well, first, and, and you, if you think specifically of, of women in different scenarios, um, I, I'd love to hear from them first. What do you want to do? What do you feel led to do? What do you enjoy doing? Because I think part of my own struggle, especially as a young mom, was I had dreams and thoughts and ideas and all of this, but then I'm home or I'm so busy with everything just in my own little world that really even taking five minutes, I mean, I remember even feeling guilty um, as a young mom that I struggled to think about these things because I should be so focused on, look at all God's given me here in my life. And that wasn't from the Lord. I know that wasn't from him to think through those. So part of it, I think, is just first to hear from them. I mean, what what is it you feel like you're missing? And for me personally, a lot of my struggle has come from comparison. So it's me looking at other women saying, Look at how good she is at that. I mean, she can make a cake, and I can't even do this. And, you know, all the different comparisons that I that I have. And so often what I needed was someone coming alongside me and moving my eyes back to Jesus. So I think with that person, I'd love to hear what are your hurts? Um, what would you enjoy doing at church? Where do you see yourself plugging in? Because almost always I can guarantee, at least at our church, the answer is actually going to be yes. I mean, I have yet, I mean, even you all inviting us to do this to me is a door open of let's start talking about it. Let's explore this. So for me, and I I think as I have struggled in life and then for other women, first having someone hear me, um, being able to share those and then finding a spot for them. I remember one mentor I had, I would always come back to my comparison and the different things I wasn't doing well. 
And she would always point me back to Jesus. Let's see who Jesus says you are. And it wasn't, let's see who necessarily your leader or your boss or anyone else in my life. It was always who, who does Jesus say you are? And that was always just so hopeful and truthful for me. So, yeah, that's, that is really helpful. I think the purpose of the church is to affirm and confirm both the spirit and the gifts in people. And I feel like whether that's at home with your children, affirm that that is an important role, confirming when the Spirit is working and how the Holy Spirit is there to help you. If it's teaching our third grade small group, I want to affirm and confirm the use of the gifts I see God giving a person and affirming that this is a place that you can use those and I feel like that's a wonderful opportunity that we get to do as we look around people. And because I work with mostly moms and women, I get to do that for them. Um, I guess speaking directly to people who felt wounds both, I think, outside and inside the church. um, Man, I want to say I'm sorry that you've experienced those and... And for me as a follower of Jesus and for those listening or followers of Jesus, I think we have a responsibility to care for those who have been wounded in that. Um, and so I'll be the first one to say like that's part of my responsibility. And so when, but for those, you know, outside of the church who would be like, man, what's going on in the church? It looks really confusing. Guys have so many different beliefs, you know, so many different thoughts on what the roles of men and women are, I would say. Yeah, I see that too. And when I say church, I mean in general, like at large, not just fellowship. And and so I wanted to affirm that and then want to, you know, I want to hear where they've been hurt, where they've been wounded, where, and even get to the, the heart of it. Uh, yes, maybe the circumstances of that, but what did, uh, what did that tell them? Was it communicated to them, oh, you're not enough because you're a woman? Oh, you're not desired or you're not valued because you're a woman? And for those outside the church, man, I want to bring them to Jesus and look at Jesus and you guys have referenced Jesus I think so beautifully uh, Jesus affirms I want you you're valued and I want to point them to Jesus in that but for those within the church uh, and, and the who say they are following Jesus um, I also want to help sit with them in their wounds and things that have hurt them but I think one of the best things for me in my process of walking through this and navigating this is to figure out what I believe about it is for me to actually wrestle with it myself, go to scripture, go to the word, and go to men and women who, both men and women, who are older than me, wiser than me, and ask them, like, hey, what are your thoughts on this topic? Here's what I'm saying. Can you help me? But then, yes, take what they're telling me, but then go to scripture myself and wrestle with the Lord. I think that's been the most helpful thing for me because before I wrestled with maybe the Lord and, and scripture over what do I believe men and women's roles are in the church, man, i went to pride very easily or went to insecurity really easily. Um, what somebody else told you. Yes, or I just believe what else was told me instead of really getting into the word myself. I think that would be one of my greatest encouragements. Because um, that, that also, I think, actually helps give clarity for people outside of the church to know, like, hey, this is what I believe, this is why I believe it, because this is God's design. So, yeah. I do think that this question, though, opens the door to a bigger picture of um, the need for differences, to appreciate what somebody else can bring from somebody from a different socioeconomic 
um, place from a different cultural place. And throughout Scripture, Jesus wanted to, and um, throughout Scripture, Jesus invited people in who were different and wanted them to get along. And I feel like that is a tension for all of us to carry. And sometimes it's just talked about women, but I do think it, 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 it's a bigger one. And on our team, on the elementary team, one of the questions I ask often is, what do you see that I don't see? And I think those are, that's helpful language for each of us. And what don't I see that I need to see or consider? And when there is respect and trust built, that becomes easier to do. And um, I would encourage those kinds of conversations. And I can't see or know what I don't know, but maybe you see something that I need to see. And finding your voice is having the courage to say, have you thought of this, Beth, or what happens in this scenario? And then I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. And Tim has done that so much for me when I have finally learned to stop and say, hey, Tim, what do you think about this? Or how do you see this? I, there's always something new that has, is, is learned and valued. I think um, on that note, a really, really important thing, I guess, is, um, you know, I look at my generation and I think that having a voice or having a seat at the table is just an expectation. I, I expect that my voice is going to be allowed to be heard because of where culture is at. Um, and I think in, in general, that just needs to be remembered across the board. Um, I know that there has been so much advancement and, and equality is such like a hot ticket item right now. And it's all anybody is talking about it and especially uh, male and female. But I do just think that as a church, it's so important to, to remember across the board that, that even if somebody's not asking for it, that doesn't mean that their voice doesn't want to be heard. And, and so honoring that um, and, and, not forgetting how important that is. Closing thoughts. Um, I, as I think back through in my experience of what has shaped me as a, a believer and as a woman in ministry and just a woman, a follower of Jesus are two different things. Like one, I want to affirm women's leadership that I have seen growing up. And before, I mean, I'd never really dreamed of being uh, in ministry or being on staff. And this is a dream the Lord has given me. But the reason it was even became something I desired and valued was that I saw women who were my small group leaders in high school, teach me, disciple me, mentor me, um, study scripture, learn about theology. And that gave me the confidence. Oh, as a woman, I'm, I'm able to do this too. And then ultimately um, getting to meet with somebody, um, Aaron Wilkins, who, uh, was on staff here at Fellowship and seeing her leadership and the role that she took and gave me affirmation as a woman in ministry that, oh, like this, I can do this too. Like I, I can be a leader in ministry. And so um, so I say that to say whatever like influence, whoever's listening to this, whatever influence you may feel like you have, whether it be you're leading a small group or you're a small family or you're in the business world or college students, um, that your leadership and influence, it, it matters. Um, it matters because it, 
my soccer leaders, they did probably really what they would say are really small things. They showed up on a Wednesday night and taught me about scripture, but it changed the way that I viewed myself as a follower of Jesus and as a woman in ministry. And, and so it, it matters. Um, and it's needed leadership. And then on the other hand, um, I also want to affirm male leadership, but a fellowship in, in other churches, like in the area that I've um, been blessed to, to know that, man, I, I feel affirmed in my skills and my, and my giftings that um, the Lord has given me and having them spoken into me and, and respected and valued and, and asked for my opinion is what even gives me even more confidence of, yes, like I can be a leader in ministry because I have so many men, incredible men around me who are also encouraging me to lead out. So, I guess some of my final thoughts, I mean, definitely going back to um, acknowledging the hurt and, and bringing healing there, hoping for healing. Um, and just what you ask, Garland, what are, what are men not doing? Um, and I agree with Amy. I've seen men come alongside, men nurture, men do so many wonderful things. I don't want to go ditch to ditch. I don't want to say, you know, let's just lift women because one of the things I see in schools now is more of a passivity in young men and a real elevation of women. And so I just think the Lord must look at us as we're trying to find our way through all this. And he's going, remember, I created you in my image, you, male and female. So there's no need for us to lower this one, elevate the other. Um, and, I, and I think we struggle with that as people. I mean, in schools, I'm seeing it more and more. Now we're questioning, how can we get young men to not be passive? How can we... so? I'm praying and hopeful that we're even dealing with that because what I know just in my own family, in my own life, is my boys needed Nick Rowland in high school. They needed a godly, strong man just above them to show them how to be godly, strong young men, to be bold in their faith, to be truthful. My daughter, Becca, needs the sweet leader she has right now to show her what does that mean to be a godly leader. And what that means to me in the church is all of us um, are needed, required. We're all about the same message of the gospel, of loving well. And so I feel like we get a little distracted on, on that, and we miss sometimes our real message, which is sharing Jesus Telling him, like you said earlier, it's about our story and how he's rescued us and changed our life. And so I love that. I love that um, you all have provided that today for us to talk about this and um, to affirm both, you know, to affirm both for sure. I think a final thought is the privilege we have um, in this context, in this cultural setting, in this church family to figure it out together and being willing to say we've gotten it wrong and this might be a way that we could do it with more respect and affirmation of each other. And I feel like that one of the things I get to do is to speak truth and life into the people around me. And I want to do that well. I want to do it well with women. I want to do it well with mothers. I want to encourage dads to dig deep and find out who they are in Christ and to use the giftings the way that God has created them to 
breathe life into their families, life into each other, and life into this community. And that really is an amazing privilege of something I get to do. As we're concluding, I had come to mind um, Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Um, and I think that the aim of being a church um, that represents the image of God in male and female, uh, that's an aim that we're going to keep pressing on toward. We, we haven't arrived there. We, probably, we won't arrive there in its fullness until the word is restored. And so we keep having this conversation. We keep learning. We keep returning to the scriptures. We keep listening. And we keep pressing onward and growing to be more like Christ and to see Christ in us, the hope of glory. Y'all have been a delight. Thank you so much uh, for being part of this, for bringing your wisdom, your godly character. Um, I also want to say that I can imagine there's some people listening who have been wildly offended by some things said. And so if you would like to share that, it's bekenyon at fellowshipnwa.org. Bring it on! We hope this has brought biblical clarity to modern questions. Thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to Out of Curiosity as we discussed how to engage the gender debates in our culture. We encourage you to look into this for yourself even more and recommend looking in scripture at Genesis chapters 2 and 3, Galatians 3, 27 to 29, and 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 3, 13. We also recommend Jesus, Justice, and Gender Roles by Kathy Keller and Two Views on Women in Ministry, edited by Gundry and Beck. If you want to send in a question or contact us, go to oocuriosity.com and follow us on Instagram at oocuriosity. Be sure to subscribe to keep up with future episodes.